As you read, the reading this morning is from Ephesians 5, uh, verses 3 to 21. But among you there must not be even a hint of sexual immorality or of any kind of impurity or of greed because there are these are improper for God's holy people. Nor should there be obscenity, foolish talk or coarse, coarse joking which are out of place, but rather thanksgiving. For all this you can be sure... No immoral, impure, or greedy person, such a person is an idolater, has any inheritance in the kingdom of Christ of God. Let no one deceive you with empty words, for because of such things, God's wrath comes on those who are disobedient. Therefore, do not be partners with them, for you were once darkness, but now you are light in the Lord. Live as children of light, for the fruit of the light consists in all goodness, righteousness and truth and find out what pleases the Lord have nothing to do with the fruitless deeds of darkness but rather expose them it is shameful even to mention what the disobedient do in secret but everything exposed by the light becomes visible and everything that is illuminated becomes a light this is why it is said wake up sleeper rise from the dead and Christ will shine on you Be very careful then how you live, not as unwise but as wise, making the most of every opportunity because the days are evil. Therefore do not be foolish, but understand what the Lord's will is. Do not get drunk on wine, which leads to debauchery. Instead be filled with the Spirit, speaking to one another with psalms, hymns and songs from the Spirit. Sing and make music from the heart to the Lord. Always giving thanks to God, the Father, for everything in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. Submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. Amen. Uh, You might like to keep your Bibles open in Ephesians 5. And there is an outline in your newsletter if you have one um, on page whatever it is. Well, last week, um, as we've already heard, in Ephesians 4, verse 17 to chapter 5, verse 2, Mike took us through what was really the first part of a long passage in Ephesians now, um, looking at the lifestyle of the new humanity, the practical implications um, of Christian living for this new humanity of Jesus. Um, the Jews and Gentiles come together that God's brought about through the death and resurrection of Jesus um, and the presence of God's Spirit. It was characterised, as we heard, by the image of clothing, putting off um, things and putting on, putting off the old ways of living, putting on the new way that God desires. Now today, from chapter 5, verse 3 through to 21, uh, we look at the second set of instructions. Um, Well, the lifestyle of the new humanity, part 2. That's what we're on about. And again, um, it's characterised by a particular image um, introduced to us in the middle of the passage. Okay, in verses 8 to 10 uh, of chapter 5, we read this. For you are once darkness, but now you are light in the Lord. Live as children of light, for the fruit of the light consists in all goodness, righteousness and truth. And find out what pleases the Lord. So in these verses you see in the middle of the passage, we now move uh, to the image of what I've called from darkness to light which should have come up on there but hasn't come up there, but it's in your book. And if you 
have the outline there. In both sections, you see, Paul begins with the instructions of various kinds, but you must wait until the middle of the section, if you like, to find out what drives the instructions. So last week, um, he had various things that he started off with in 4.17, but it wasn't until verse 22 that you found out what was the driving force, that is, putting off the old and putting on the new. The same structure occurs then in this passage we have before us today. It begins with a series of instructions, but it's not until you get to verse 8 and verses 8 to 10 that we see its controlling theme, that of darkness and light. Many years ago, a long time ago now, when I headed up a church plant in Sydney before I actually moved to Adelaide, I went through a period where I was sort of asking myself whether I was all that different from non-Christians around me. In what way was I distinctive in the way I behaved? Yeah, there's lots of ordinary, nice, good people around me. And that all changed one day when I was taking Tammy and Stephanie to a McDonald's birthday party uh, for one of their school friends. I can't even remember why I was taking them rather than Meredith. She must have been had something on and I needed to take them. And so here they were um, at McDonald's birthday party. I was obviously probably the only male, I think, um, at that party. And the kids went off to play and I sat down at one table and just very close to me, there's another table with all the ladies, women, mums, talking about their marriages. Well, it was not, didn't take me long as I listened to their conversation without them knowing it. <laughs> and yes, as a Christian, I was totally different. I was totally different in the way I thought about my spouse and my marriage. It was really like chalk and cheese or darkness and light. You see, as Paul states in verse 8, every Christian believer is now light in the Lord. It's like the whole operating system of your thinking, your affections and your behaviour has completely changed. And all that has happened through, of course, God's grace in Christ. The forgiveness and acceptance that comes through his death and resurrection when we put our trust in him. But of course we know only too well, don't we, that there are sort of remnants hanging around of the old operating system. They still hang around and war somewhat with the new. Hence in verse 8 Paul states clearly what the basic demand of this lifestyle of the new humanity is. The call for every Christian believer is to live as children of light. Exhibiting in the way you think and behave the fruit of such a status, which Paul states to be all goodness, righteousness and truth. Now please note, Paul does not say become children of light. He doesn't say become children of light. This is not a call to become what you are not. That's the way the world sees goodness. You know, you've got to pull up your socks and do better and become better people and then you can be classed as a good person. That's not what's going on here. This is not a call to become what you're not. This is a call to become or to display or to exhibit what you already are. You already light. 
because you know the Lord. God has made you light in the Lord. You did nothing to achieve it. You merely accepted and put your trust in this wonderful gift of God's grace in Christ. And as a result, God changed your operating system permanently, forever. Hence, now the call is really simply to live in a manner consistent with that new status. And God has given us his indwelling Holy Spirit to help us. This is the framework in which we're to understand the instructions with which Paul begins this section. And so it's to those now we specifically turn. The section begins with instructions of the put-off variety in verses 3 and 4 and then later in verses 15 to 21 of the sort of put-on variety. Firstly then, Paul says we are to avoid any hint of sexual immorality and greed. Verse 3. But among you there must not be even a hint of sexual immorality or of any kind of impurity or greed because these are improper for God's holy people. Nor should there be obscenity, foolish talk or coarse joking which are out of place, but rather thanksgiving. Now I call these the big two, sexual immorality and greed, because they're the cause of almost all havoc and breakdown in human society. It was back then in Paul's day and it hasn't changed, friends. It's the same in our day. Today our society is saturated, absolutely saturated, with sexual immorality and greed. If we look first at sexual immorality, I mean, many might point to the growing acceptance today of gay lifestyle, the recent approval of gay marriage, uh, but I think there's something far more important than that. Sure, that certainly is a major distortion of the way God created marriage, but far more pervasive and destructive to family life and community life over the last half century has been the almost universal spread of what I'd call heterosexual sexual immorality. The era of free sex amongst consenting adults, where the only question now is whether it is consenting, not whether you should engage in sex. The equating of love and sex. It's an equal sign in our society entirely. If you love someone, you have sex with them. The rise of the billion dollar porn industry. Adultery websites where you look for cheating partners to engage in sex with. Honestly, I could go on and on and on and on. The examples are just too numerous to name. Then, of course, there's the popular TV shows, Married at First Sight or Try Before You Buy, Love Island. And one I discovered recently while flicking through the entertainment channels on Foxtel, came across this program, Adam Looking for Eve. It's a new dating show. And I tell you, it's absolutely bizarre. (laughs) And note that verse 4 makes it clear that Paul is not just talking about behaviour, but speech also. The way we talk about sex, obscenities, coarse joking, etc. 
which are so often sexual in nature. Just think of the almost normalisation now of the F word these days. Friends, it is all pervasive. So much so that I think we become blind to its influence. Even in some cases, flirting with it. Well, and then there is greed. Literally, covetousness. The continual accumulation of things and the desire for the things that you don't have that others do. I think this is just as pervasive. And I'm not talking about the rich and famous here, or let's say the corporate corporations of greed who want to um, uh, rule over the, the little man. I'm talking about the general populace of ordinary Australians. To my mind, the two biggest indicators of greed at this level among the populace are what? Anybody want to have a guess? Okay. Gambling and lotteries is one, I think. And the other is credit card debt. Yeah, I think they're the two big indicators. Gambling and lotteries, the get-rich-quick fix, gaining something for nothing, or more truthfully, gaining something at the expense of others. You've just got to stand in a news agency. I don't know whether you've ever done this. Stand in a news agency near a lotteries counter for a few minutes and just see the massive amount of money that people pour through this stuff. And I think to myself, I wonder how much money they'd save if they held that every week and over a number of years. And there's some real concern now. I was reading an article the other day in the paper at the phenomenal rise in sports betting. Bet 365. Sports bet. Ladbrokes. The big three. Let alone the actual evidence of accumulation in the way we spend our money on ourselves. I suspect that our actions here speak much louder than our words. Then there's credit card debt. Living beyond our means because we want it now. Currently, credit card debt, so the statistics tell us, is something like $56 billion in Australia, which translates roughly to about $2,000 for every man, woman and child in Australia. And if you think you're immune to these influences, please think again. The advertising industry knows how to do its job very, very well. If you're like me, and I suspect you are, the first thing I tend to think of when I get some spare cash or something, gain a wage increase or whatever, is what I can buy for myself. It only takes me milliseconds to think of that because the advertising industry has told me all the things that I need, you see. The last thing I tend to think about is how I might give it away to others or how I might invest it in something significant for the spread of the gospel in our world. I have to work hard and plan the use of my finances to avoid such temptations. Greed. It's much more tempting and pervasive than I think we care to admit. And Paul says he doesn't want even a hint of these things to be present amongst God's people. Sexual immorality and greed are the fruits of darkness, 
Michael, please. Thank you. And such darkness has no place in God's kingdom. Look at verse 5. Such a person is an idolater and has no inheritance in the kingdom of Christ of God. Let no one deceive you with empty words, for because of such God's wrath comes on those who are disobedient. Therefore do not be partners with them. Now we need to remember here that in these words Paul is talking about lifestyle. Here, not individual actions. I suspect there's hardly any of us here today who could say they had not fallen in some way or other in one of these two areas. With God, however, there's always forgiveness and renewal upon repentance in either of these areas. But we must be careful not to think of ourselves as immune from such influences. I'm sure that is why Paul says that he wants not even a hint because he knows the power of such temptation. He knows the dangers of the slippery slope once you start to flirt with these things. He knows the possibility of addiction. That can come in either area. How then are we to resist the massive influences of our culture in these areas? Well, Paul says, first of all, find out what pleases the Lord. Again, to go back to verse 8, for you were, dark, you were once darkness, but now you are light in the Lord. Live as children of light and find out what pleases the Lord. This begins, of course, with a devotion to God's word, the revelation of his character and will. But I think it also involves us, each one, talking to each other and encouraging each other to use the words of Hebrews 10 to love and good deeds. Some things may be obvious and always true across cultures, sex outside of marriage, adultery, lust, things like that, but other things require thought and discernment to apply the principles in our current life and we need to talk to each other about it. What does it mean to be content in our life with what we have rather than always being after consuming things? It's not an easy answer to that. We need to encourage one another. As we find out what pleases the Lord and live accordingly, we'll function in our society as the true light of God. Exposing darkness, on to the next one, exposing darkness and transforming it into light. This is the subject from verse 11. Have nothing to do with the fruitless deeds of darkness, but rather expose them. It's shameful even to mention what the disobedient do in secret. But everything exposed by the light becomes visible and everything that is illuminated becomes a light. That's why it said, wake up, sleep, arise from the dead and Christ will shine upon you. Now you see, what's interesting here is the way, is the way that Paul speaks so positively of the presence of the light. You see, light serves two purposes. It's obvious, isn't it? It exposes the darkness... And it transforms darkness into light. Hence, when we live as the children of the light, the darkness around us is exposed. People don't like it when they see somebody different to themselves sometimes. But there's a possibility that people may be attracted to the light also and one to Christ. Friends, if we live in display, sexual purity, 
contentment and wholeness of speech, people will notice. Whether it be in the workplace or school or uni, etc., people notice if you don't swear. They notice the way you speak to your friends and spouses. They will notice the way you respond to suffering. They'll notice the things you're involved in. Church community, other things like that. Now often we imagine this will always end up with a negative reaction. I mean, if you're in the workplace today and you say, look, sex should be for marriage, I don't think you're going to get a great reaction. Most people think you're quaint, old-fashioned and an idiot to say that. But there are many people in our world who put on a brave front, who desperately are looking for an alternative to the darkness they experience in private, hidden from view. If God has brought you into the light, we should expect that he may use you to do the same with others. It's never easy in a crowd to be the odd one out and that is what seeking to please the Lord in our speech and behaviour will make us. But we should be encouraged that God may use the light, your light, the light you display to bring others into the light too. Well, the obvious conclusion from the argument so far is that living as children of light requires careful thought, wisdom, determination. And Paul makes this clear now in what follows. Living as children of the light means living carefully and wisely. Verse 15. Be be very careful then how you live, not as unwise, but as wise. So to live as the children of light means not only putting off certain ways, like sexual immorality and greed, it also means putting on certain things as well. What to put on here is spelled out in two ways. First, it has to do, Paul says, with making the most of the time. In verse 16, he just says, making the most of every opportunity because the days are evil. Now, literally, the text reads, redeeming the time, which was the old translation in the King James Version. The NIV has translated time as opportunity here to indicate that we're not just talking about business. And I'm afraid in the past, that's often the way people took it. Making the most of the time meant filling it up with everything you can, being really busy. Um, Often the way we think of it in our culture. But there are two words in the New Testament for time. One refers to lineal time, you know, days, months, weeks, seconds, minutes, hours, all that sort of thing, the way we normally talk about what time it is. But there's a second word that refers to what I'd call significant time or type of time, you know, periods or or events of importance, Christmas time, time for the World Cup soccer, war time, things like that, which we use too. And it's this second word that's used here. To live carefully and wise is to use our time in ways that please the Lord. Why? Well, because the days are evil, Paul says. The days are evil. You see, time is not neutral. Satan is always active. Paul has already referred to Satan in chapter 2, verse 2 of Ephesians as the spirit who is now at work in the disobedient. 
And that disobedience may not just consist in overtly sinful behaviour, but things perfectly good in themselves, yet sometimes distracting from the things that really matter. When we have no time to read the Bible, to pray, to have devotions with our children, we have a problem. When our work leads to a workaholism, that becomes more important than our relationships with spouse and family. That is not wise living, friends. When parents are deceived into thinking that they're serving their children by transporting them to endless good activities, yet in the process end up spending very little actual time with them. We've swallowed worldly culture, not godly parenting. And what about time spent on Facebook or social media or in front of a screen generally? There are lots of things we can do with our time that are not wrong in themselves. Sports, music, social media, TV, hobbies, holidays and so on. But what does it mean to make the most of your time when you belong to the Lord? It means, I think, that we want to make sure that there is a balance between all these activities and time given to the things that really matter, like our relationship with God and our relationships with one another. Once again, the first step in not being sucked into our busy culture is understanding the will of the Lord. Verse 17, that's what Paul says straight away. Therefore, do not be foolish but understand what the Lord's will is. Because this is really just a different way of what Paul had said earlier about finding out what pleases the Lord. What do you believe is God's will for your life and the way you should live right now? Is this a question you've ever really contemplated? When was the last time you took an audit of your life, your marriage? your family. You're reviewing how your time is spent and whether you think in the light of God's word you are being careful and wise. I wonder sometimes whether God might assess much of our business today as evil because it leads to a neglect of relationships both with God and himself, both with God himself and with other people. Well, finally, in verses 18 to 21, we come to the second thing Paul commands in relation to being careful on how we live. We are to be, he says, filled with the Spirit. Do not get drunk on wine, which leads to debauchery. Instead, be filled with the Spirit speaking to one another with psalms, hymns and songs from the Spirit. Sing and make music from your heart to the Lord, always giving thanks to God the Father for everything. In the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. Now the reference to drunkenness serves two purposes here. It serves to highlight once again again, the deeds of darkness. For Paul says it leads to debauchery. Uh, a funny word, an old word now, which means reckless and wild living. 
including the sexual kind as well as others. And second, it serves as a foil for Paul's main emphasis here, which is positive, that of being filled with the Spirit. But we need to be careful with the contrast. I do not think Paul is equating wine with the Spirit and commanding us to fill ourselves up with the Spirit as we might with a glass or two of wine. Rather, the contrast, I think, is on what controls you. So it's better to understand this command as an exhortation to let the Spirit fill you with all God's fullness in Christ. This is something Paul mentioned several times, the whole idea of the fullness of God in Ephesians. Uh, For example, if we went back to chapter 3, verse 19, Paul prays that believers may be filled to the measure of all the fullness of God. Now there's a parallel verse in Colossians, I think, which confirms this interpretation. In Colossians 3.16, Paul says, Let the message of Christ dwell among you richly as you teach and admonish one another with all wisdom through psalms, hymns and songs from the Spirit, singing to God with gratitude in your hearts. So the command to be filled with the Spirit is a command to allow the Spirit fill you with all fullness of Christ. Such dwelling on God's fullness in Christ will be evident in very different ways from drinking wine. Instead of debauchery, those filled with the Spirit will engage in in speaking, singing and making music. Verse 19. Speak, speaking to one another with psalms, hymns and songs from the Spirit. Sing and make music from your heart to the Lord. I think they should be taken together, speaking, singing, making music. Um, Paul is not so much wanting to specify things that we should define, I think, as to just refer to different ways of referring to the same thing. But we should encourage one another in song and praise uh, that we give to God. Note that it has both a horizontal and a vertical aspect. We speak to one another and we make music, sing to the Lord. So at the same time, when we sing together, we instruct each other, encourage each other, and we give praise uh, to our God. Primarily, this allowing God's Spirit to fill us leads to our expression of praise to God, instruction to each other with all sorts of songs as we meet each week. That's why the choice of songs, friends, here, uh, when we meet, each week is an important service to us. People learn their theology through their songs, often, and their singing. It's an important service, what songs we sing. Along with this activity, uh, the spirit-filled believers are found, Paul says, to be giving thanks and submitting to one another. Verses 20 and 21. Thanksgiving is so much a part of Christian faith in the Bible and throughout the New Testament, that some writers have said that Christianity could be summed up in just one word, thanksgiving. And it's interesting that in Romans 1.21, when Paul's beginning in Romans to talk about God's wrath on sinfulness, when he recounts God's wrath against all wickedness, he states that the most basic sin of humankind is a lack of thanksgiving. It's not what you would say or what I would say, would you? 
Here's what he says. For although they knew God, they neither glorified him as God nor gave thanks to him. But their thinking became futile and their foolish hearts were darkened. See, a lack of thanksgiving leads to darkness, friends. A life full of thanksgiving to God testifies to light that results from being filled with the Spirit. From giving thanks, Paul then goes on to something I suspect quite unexpected, submitting to one another out of reverence for Christ. Now, versions of the Bible do various things with verse 21. Some do as the NIV does here and carve 21 off to the beginning of a new section. Others include it as the last verse of the previous section. That sort of confusion is because of the nature of the text itself. Verse 21 is really like a hinge. It looks backward and forward. And uh, Mike's going to say a little more about that next week when he uh, looks at uh, the passage, verse 21 through to 6-9. In this section, we should simply see that submitting to one another refers generally to a humble attitude that we bring to our relationships with one another. Always willing, if you like, to count others better than ourselves with an attitude of service rather than privilege. Darkness and light. That's what occurs when you become a Christian. It's that stark. Now, if you're a believer here today, that's the way you should see yourself. Not just as a little better, but completely different. The operating system has been completely changed. And if you're still thinking about Christianity, trying to weigh out what's going on, please don't make a mistake. And thinking of Christianity as just another form of moral betterment. Nothing could be further from the truth. Just as Jesus said, when someone believed in him, they had passed from death to life. So it is that every person who has come to know Jesus has passed from darkness into light. Through the Spirit of God then filling us with God's fullness in Christ, may it be that as individuals out there in the world and as a community of God's people here at Grove, we live as children of light, exposing the darkness of our world and through God's grace, hopefully, seeing others transformed into God's light. Amen.